0: Let me open up in prayer. Father God, thank you for this church. Thank you for Pastor Kevin and Andy. Father, thank you for what you're doing in this region. Thank you for relationships. That's what brings Converge Together. It's always through relationships. And so thank you for this church and our relationship that we have with them. Lord, we commit this time to you and we ask that you would be pleased. You you would be pleased with the words that are spoken, that the hearers would hear your voice and not Glenn's voice that we'd be attentive, that we wouldn't be distracted, that we'd really, like, pay attention to what you have for us today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I don't know if you know this, but loneliness is at an all-time high. Everyone around the globe, literally, are, it's dealing with loneliness. And I don't know if you've ever heard this. This is, this is old data a few years ago, like America was the number one loneliest country on the planet. Why is that? We have everything. Why should we be lonely? Well... You can have everything and still be missing a lot. Amen. People are floundering. Pastors are struggling. I get to be a pastor to pastors and I travel our state and the UP. Uh, I do coach a number of pastors and they're like, you know what? One in five in America, one in five pastors want to check out. They want to be done. There's so much division and angst and frustration. People are hurt and desperate. That's the bad news. It's not a happy, uh, happy commentary. You know, 53% of adults are dealing with, in America, are dealing with mental health issues, negatively dealing with coronavirus. And we thought, hey, after the first of the year, everything's just going to get back to normal. Have you found that to be true as we end January 2021? It's not going back. People are experiencing, uh, 36% are dealing with sleep issues. Why is that? Well, worry. You can't shut off your mind. You're dealing with that. Uh, 32% are dealing with eating issues. Have you gained some weight? There's nothing to do. I work from home. And so, hey, I'm kind of bored. Let's go to the cupboard. And no one's monitoring what I'm taking in, right? You can relate to this. 12% are dealing with alcohol and substance abuse issues. 12% are dealing with chronic conditions like online gambling, that's skyrocketing, pornography, domestic dispute. I was at my chiropractor earlier this year and she said, yeah, I can't tell you how many wives have said, I'm moving out, I'm sick of my husband. That's really troubling, really troubling. Friends, I'm telling you today, people are looking for hope, they're looking for purpose, they're looking for meaning. There's no doubt in my mind that we have a world that is just wandering right now. And so how do we as the church care for them? How do we help them? Jesus gives us a challenge to love our neighbors as ourselves. By the way, you're in proximity. That's your neighbor. We are a neighbor. I'm a neighbor. I have neighbors. What does that look like? The critical time for us is really to begin practicing radical love that, quite frankly, Jesus exhibited that. He's the perfect example of radical love. Like he loved us so much. Guess what he did? He died on the cross to save our miserable souls. I don't, you know, I can be cynical, you know, 24 years, retired law enforcement. I can be kind of jaded. Can I hear an amen? You are too. I'm just being real here. I'm like, Lord, why don't you just take us out? Us humans suck. We're terrible. We're not respectful. We don't love each other. We're all angst up about whatever little issue. It's very troubling. And I put myself in that category. I watch the news. I go, I'm angry. It's not a good place to be, right? Do you know that your neighbors want freedom and they can obtain freedom and forgiveness and acceptance and joy and peace? Your neighbors can have that. And if you call yourself a Christ follower, you have that as well. But do we live that out? And you can only live that out, you can only experience the peace of God, the love of God, the compassion of God, when you have this relationship with God. Life is about relationships, as the old guy in the room. You get later in life, you go, you know what, it's not about me being individual, that's our culture. Americans are very individual. And it's all about my rights. It's all about my little sphere. It's all my little domain. And quite frankly, when you're a Christ follower, you realize, I don't really have that. I am to be more loving, more compassionate than the world. And quite frankly, our mission, your mission at Crosspoint, I don't know if you've looked at this lately. Go to your website. Your mission at Crosspoint is to equip people to know God. God. That's not just the pastor or the leader's responsibility. That's everyone sitting here today, that you would help people know God and then find freedom and discover purpose and make a difference. That's a wonderful mission. Church, that's a wonderful mission. But the point is to live it out. It's not just to have a mission statement on a wall or a website. We've got to live this out. We've got to like not be hypocrites. Right? We practice this. Now again, online audience, stay with us. These guys have no choice. They're not going anywhere. <laughs> stay with us. 25 minutes, I'm going to give you some next steps when we get done here today. So Luke 10, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 10. If you have your smartphones, turn to Luke 10. It, it, it's a story that Jesus tells us about loving our neighbor. In fact, many of you know this story. It's a parable called the Good Samaritan. It's a Good Samaritan story. And sometimes you hear that, you know, uh, what does that really mean? We're not even going to look at that today. I'm setting the stage. I want you to do your homework this afternoon. You know, the Packers are not playing uh, next week in the Super Bowl. You have plenty of time. If you're Bears fans, I'm sorry. Vikings fans, where I live, it's all Viking fans. Here's the point. The stories in Scripture draws to a conclusion of who God is. And Jesus gives us these parables to help us understand the power of who Christ is. And we're not going to address that story, but I think it's important to lead up to that story. So in the first part of Luke 10, Jesus sends out the 72, two by two. Like, you don't do ministry alone. You do it in cooperation. When we were in Panama, we did not do it alone. When we planted in Lake Mills, we did not do it alone. You don't do ministry alone. You do, you do not do life alone. And then you see later they come back and they, uh, these disciples give a report. You know, they're saying, hey, some things didn't work. And Jesus, help us figure this out. So it's a great, it's a, just a great encounter. And then later we read in, uh, in chapter 10, Mary and Martha. Again, it's a good, good illustration. What Jesus wants in our heart and service. All right. So now we get to Luke 25 and Jesus has this encounter with this lawyer and this lawyer is quite frankly he he's an expert of the law. He knows scripture like he knows scripture better than you and I do and he is looking for loopholes. Friends, are you looking for loopholes? Just do enough, you know, satisfy mom and dad. Satisfy You know, is it, does it state this in scripture? Can I, can I cross this line? We're looking for loopholes. And so we, we have this encounter where this lawyer stands up to test Jesus. Right there, that should be a red flag. Like, who is this guy thinking that he can test, test Jesus? You ever test Jesus? Sure you have. You ever say no to Jesus? Sure you have. How does that work out for you? Okay. He says, this lawyer says, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, in the Jewish context, when you heard that eternal life, this is really what it meant. It meant, how do I live now with God? How do I live in step with God, in tune, in harmony with God today? He's not thinking when he passes on. Again, this is a cultural thing. You have to understand this. How do I live a life with sincere significance and meaning in the here and now? That's a great question, isn't it? Like we should be asking ourselves, how do I live in harmony with God right this moment every day? We have the perspective, the whole counsel of God. We know that when we die, after we've placed our hope and trust and surrendered our life with Christ, I'm not going to hell. The minute I die, I know where I'm headed. I talk to a lot of people. In fact, I like hanging out with non-believers because, quite frankly, they need me in their life. And more importantly than Glenn in their life, they need Christ in their life. Amen? And I represent him. I'm an ambassador to him. And so, understand that there's a perspective change with this lawyer. And Jesus brilliantly answers the question to elevate the conversation from the heart to the mind. He was helping that person, asking the question to discover what he already believed, which was true. And so we ask ask questions. I think it's important that if we ask these questions in a person's life, we not only guide the conversation in a good way, but we create this opening for the gospel to be shared effectively as we go around. And quite frankly, today in our culture, no one really wants to hear us spewing biblical truth, Judgment, 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 self-righteousness, and they don't really care about our opinions. Do you get that, church? What they do get is if we love them unconditionally, if we serve them without strings attached. That's what the world needs. And they need to see us as an example. Because guess what? I say this to every church I go to. I love the local church because it's the one place on the planet right now if you teach and preach the Word of God, that's the only place you're going to hear the truth. Let that sink in. I went to UW-Oshkosh. I know what professors teach today. I know what CNN and Fox News teach teach. I know what the political climate is. Where are you going to get the truth? Where are you going to get the truth. And the truth doesn't even come from you. It comes from God's word. That's why we have to study it. Amen. So we get this great example in this passage from Jesus and Jesus is basically saying, Hey, expert of the law, since you know the law, how do you interpret it? Jesus asked a lot of questions. Pastor Kevin, do I ask you a lot of questions? Yeah, I try to be like Jesus. No, the point is this. We have to get better at listening and get better at asking questions. We really do. And then he says, you know, how do you interpret? Who do you follow? In Luke 10, 26 to 28, it's up on the screen. He said to him, what is written in the law? Jesus is saying that. How do you read it? How do you understand it? How do you interpret it? And he answered, You shall love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly, do this, do this, and you will live in the here and now, and also in the future. And Jesus' approach was certainly to ask questions. He's brilliant at this. He says, okay, lawyer, you got this. And you understand maybe how to inherit life, you know, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Do this and you'll live. I might present to you today that if we would truly love our neighbor as we love ourselves, we would find real life and we'd have a lot more peace and a lot more joy instead of striving. Does that make sense? Then this guy says to Jesus, well, who's my neighbor? Now look at his motive. He's trying to trip up Jesus. Who's my neighbor? And he's, look at, he's, he's trying to justify himself. Like he's trying to justify himself to Jesus. Oh, who's my neighbor? You know, where's the loophole? Where can I butt up against, it, but not really do that? Okay, because in his mind, he has a different view of what a neighbor is. It's a great question. In those days, it was defined by the, by the word "rea." In Hebrew, it re- referred to somebody that is in close proximity, someone from your own tribe, maybe someone in your own country or community, who looks and acts like you. That was your neighbor, By the way, I don't want anyone to look or act like me, (laughs) if you think about that. So who's my neighbor? Uh, John 13, uh, oh, let me me, jump ahead a little bit. Jesus gives the parable of the Good Samaritan to turn that viewpoint upside down because he is saying, that isn't your neighbor. This is your neighbor. Neighbors are people that don't look like you, act like you. They don't think like you. In fact, may I even say they don't even vote like you? That's your neighbor. That's your neighbor. And you know what Jesus would say? Love them anyway. Love them anyway. Love them anyway. John 13:34-35 uh, says this. Jesus says this. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, that you also are to love one another. Okay, pause. How has Jesus loved you, church? Those online, how has Jesus loved you? You ever start making a list how Jesus loved you? Can I just make an observation? None of you are dead right now. You're living. He gave you breath today. None of you walked in late that I saw. You woke up on time. Can I go down the list? He says in verse 35, by this, by this church... All people. Is that some or is that all? Church? All people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I think the church globally in the United States, the big C church, we've done a really poor job of this, living this out. And I put myself in that category. COVID. COVID gives us an opportunity to do a reset. Like, we get to do a reset. Churches that I'm connected with, they're killing programs because they're ineffective. They're getting to the heart of prayer. Like, I'm hearing more churches saying, hey, Glenn, I'm feeling the Holy Spirit is leading us. we got to be a praying church. I'm hearing churches saying, hey, we've got to step up and actually disciple our congregation because disciple is a higher Requirement than just being a cultural Christian. Every choice you make matters because it proclaims what you think is best and what you believe God is truly like. Every choice, friends, every choice. Andy Stanley says it this way It's not enough to believe correctly to make a difference. We must act on what we say we believe. We sing these songs of worship to Christ. By the way, worship was awesome this morning. I love going to churches where I hear new songs. And then I t- I'm going back to Panama going, yo, we sang those Spanish song versions too. You know? So anyway. Got to get to the heart of what we really believe and practice what we believe. Who in your life is screaming for help that may be tormented? And how are you participating in loving those around you? What added value to a person's life can you bring to the table? What are your daily choices? What does it say about what you really believe God to be? It's not just an hour on Sunday. It really is 24 7. Can I hear him? Amen? I'm losing you. You're like, okay, when's he leaving? You thought I was going to give you a fluffy message today? No, we have to be challenged. We have to be challenged. The danger of free will is this, that we have the opportunity to choose safety, comfort, security, over rejection, bitterness, division, and even death instead of life. Free choice gives us that. So what do you do with your lives to proclaim that God is who he says he is? is do we have a God that just stands on the shore, let, lets people drown in their misery every day? Do we have a God that we serve like that? I mean, that God wouldn't, wouldn't risk everything. God risk everything for you and for me. That God doesn't care enough to engage in their difficulty, their struggle, their conflict. Or that God wouldn't want to rescue and redeem the situation. Why do you think you're in their life? That is your covert mission, to make a difference in someone's life, to lend a helping hand, to listen, to comfort And I might add this as a church. Don't try to fix someone else's problems. But you can help them. Today we have this opportunity to align our lives with with the way that God's heart beats for humanity. We're we're just hardwired that way if you're a Christ follower. To give life, to choose life, to be life-giving, to continuously declare that God is who he says he is and and I'm not going to reject rejection. I'm going to proclaim him. And we get to be givers and guardians of this life. They know who we are by our love. By our unity. Like put our differences in the trash. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. At my elder stage of life, I'm at that stage where my friends are losing parents. I lost my mom in March. And it was a beautiful, ugly, terrible thing. God Quite frankly, we weren't created to die. Okay, Just let that sink in. We're created for life. Because of sin, now we have this blemish of death. And you just see how nothing is guaranteed in our life today. And how are you going to adjust? And how are you going to help people? What's your impact going to be when you leave here? And I'm saying leave the planet what's your legacy? When I'm in my 20s in my 30s, I'm not thinking about that. In my 50s, I'm thinking about that. But I wish someone in my 50s would have told me when I was in my 20s or 30s, could you at least think about that? Could you make better decisions? Could you do the right thing, even though it's a hard thing? Quite frankly, what, what makes us different is that instead of going with the flow and avoiding pain and rejection as possible, we're the ones that dive headfirst into that pain, that hurt, and those stories around us. <laughs> I met this new guy. Uh, I'm a mountain biker, road biker, and used to had a, had a team in Whitewater when I lived in Lake Mills. Anyway, this guy, his wife got kicked in the head by a horse, and now she's disabled. And what he said to me, this was even last week, and he said, Glenn, i got to just tell you, I have so many friends that just abandoned us because they didn't know how to deal with the pain. And he was a youth pastor, by the way. And I thought, isn't that terrible? Because you feel uncomfortable. You're not leaning in to minister to a guy that basically has lost his wife. Got to get better. As Christians, we don't stand on the shore with our arms crossed watching our neighbors drown. We we dive headfirst into that by risking it all to discover what what God is truly like and to help them discover that. Dallas Willard, if you don't know that name, you should read some of his books. He said this, faith today is treated as something that only should make us different, not that actually does or can't make us different. In reality, we vainly struggle against the evils of this world, waiting to die and then go to heaven. Somehow we've gotten this idea that the essence of faith is entirely a mental or an inward thing. Can I hear an amen? That's not what it is. The church always fights this tendency to have an inward focus and a self-satisfaction, to be comfortable. And COVID has said, you are not going to be comfortable anymore. Amen? We have to adjust. We have to, I hate this word, but I love this word, pivot, right? It seems like the Great Commission was replaced with the great complacency. Like, do you care that your friends may be dying and going to hell? The church is turned inward, and our connections to the community somehow have gradually vanished. That's why we need to plant more churches. That's why 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, you need to plant churches to reach your generation. I am a super cool dude. Just ask Pastor Kevin. And I can connect with any age group. I'm at that beautiful sweet spot of life, but I'm not going to be there for long. And I'm trying to raise up the next generation that has a heart for those that are lost and far from God. And Jesus is the only answer to fix this messed up world. Amen. Jesus gives us this first church in the book of Acts located in Jerusalem. This clear command. He basically says, hey, look, you're going to start here and then go throughout Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So you start here, but then you spread out. The church in those days did a good job in Jerusalem. The church was growing. Just read through Acts. And then what happened? Persecution. Now they have to scatter. Every scattering took place. They continued to preach the word. And proclaim and serve and love on people. Today, I don't know. Could it be that God sent this wave of urgency to the whole wide world in the form of COVID to wake up his church to say, get back to work, get back to your first love and start loving people because I died on the cross for them. I love them first. Now you love them. In fact, you love them second because you're here. For most churches, it's, it's, it is about reaching our community. I know cross, cross point has a heart to reach their community. You've got Milton, you've got Jefferson, the church we planted in Lake Mills, you know, they've planted a couple of churches. They sent us to Panama to plant an international church. Still going strong today. People are oppressed in their sin. They're lost. They're confused. They need Jesus. They're hurting. And we need to have softer hearts towards them, just like Jesus does. Friends, that's radical. That's radical. Now, we have an online audience. You're sitting here. You do a little examination of your heart. How are you doing in loving your neighbor? Give yourself a score one to five. One is, you're terrible. Five is, you're making some headway. We have to be reoriented, we have to be realigned. We have to be reminded how important this is. In fact, Acts 8, four says, Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Wherever they went. If you're at UW-Whitewater, preach the word. On your floor, preach the word. If you're working in a hospital, police department, factory, preach the word. Now listen, I said this earlier. It's not spewing biblical knowledge. It's being Jesus with skin on, with his hands and feet and his eyes and his mouth the right to speak into someone's life. I, I met this guy biking um, I guess it's coming up on two years. He's a Jehovah Witness or I think he's former Jehovah Witness. It's almost two years I've said nothing about Christ to him. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has not opened the door and I haven't earned the right to speak into his life. He's not asking yet, but he likes me on Facebook. He knows that I'm at your church today because I post it. He knows my background. And there'll come a time when tragedy or something defining in his life, hey Glenn, could 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 I ask you a question? I haven't earned the right. So be wise, be shrewd, be tactful. And I would say be loving, all right? Now, I want to finish up quick because I thought I was going to be shorter than I am. But anyway, there's a, there's a book that I read about 10 years ago, the Hole, the, the Hole in the Gospel. Have you read that? Have you seen this book? I know, college students, you have enough books to read. However, I'm reading this book. This is before he went to Panama. I'm up on my deck in Lake Mills. And I could only get through maybe a chapter at a time because it, it, it broke me. It broke me because I am evangelistic. I don't have the spiritual gift of evangelism, but I do the work of evangelism. And I have a heart to see as many people, as God calls, come into the kingdom of heaven. So I read this book, and it just turns my whole perspective of evangelism upside down. Let me just, just read just an excerpt. Just, it, it made an impact on me. I hope it makes an impact on you. And I would encourage you to get the book and read it. Anyway, this is what he says. He says, Our view of the gospel has been narrowed to a single transaction marked by checking a box on a bingo card at some prayer breakfast, registering a decision for Christ, or coming forward during an altar call. I have to admit that my own view of evangelism, based on the Great Commission, amounted to just that for many years. It was about saving as many people from hell as possible for this next life. It minimized any concern for those people in this life. It it wasn't as important that they were poor or hungry or persecuted or perhaps rich and greedy and arrogant. We just had to get them to pray a sinner's prayer and then move on to the next potential convert in our evangelistic effort to make the good news accessible and simple to understand. We seem to have boiled it down to a kind of fire insurance that one can buy. Then, once the policy is in effect... The sinner can go back to whatever life he was living of wealth or success or poverty or suffering. As long as the policy is in the drawer, uh, the other things don't matter as much. We've got our ticket to the next life. (sighs) And I think people have that perspective in the church. Okay? Our charge is both to proclaim and embody the gospel so that others can see and hear and feel God's love in tangible ways. In tangible ways. When they see us living out our faith with integrity and compassion in the world, God can use us to give those people a glimpse of his love and his, his character. And it's God, it's not us. Okay? By the way, any, uh, any complainers in the church? Online? Any complainers? Really? I'm the only one. You bunch of liars. (laughs) Holy cow. Pastor Kevin, you got a lot of work to do. Here's my point. God does not look kindly or favorably favorably on complainers. The world has enough complainers. Don't be like them. Be Christ. Amen? Come on now. We have to show our neighbors that we love them. We have to reach out to them and find what makes them tick. What are their dreams and their hopes and their hurts? How could you be Jesus with skin on? Now, you have a lot of ideas. Don't let this pandemic slow down your dream for this community and this county. So what can you do? I'm, I'm listening to churches that are offering blood drives. One, one church in Fond du Lac Said, we haven't had a blood drive in 20 years. People are coming into the church. Church, today's culture will not come through the front doors. They're going to come online first. We have to go out to them. You should be clapping for that one. I'm just kidding. The food pantry. Churches, I am amazed. We had a dip in giving, but churches are reporting like giving is like off the charts. Don't just build your bank account, give it away. Do something proactive. What about the schools that need things? I mean, I'm hearing these wonderful stories work projects, tutoring, snow, snow shoveling, food delivery. Now I have a novel thought. What about actually calling people up on the phone? I know it's an old style type thing. People are so lonely. Our pastors, some of our pastors, are calling every member in the church. How are you doing? How can I pray for you? Not a text. <laughs> Not a post, like a voice. Because people are really lonely. And the shut-ins are even more so. Okay? Now, I want the worship team to come up here. But uh, keep in mind, this is radical love. Now, primarily, I was talking to those that have already been convinced. But there's some in here, and maybe online, that you need to know that Jesus is calling you to salvation today. He's saying, don't go another day without this assurance of total forgiveness, acceptance, like Jesus never rejects us. He doesn't forsake us. He doesn't push us away. He's not a shadow God. He's the true living God that can give you life, purpose, and meaning. And if you want to surrender to him, you can do that right now. It's not even saying the prayer, but I think saying a prayer is a good thing. Prayer is a good thing, right, church? It's just saying, Lord, I'm a screw-up. I'm messed up. I'm making a mess of my life. Can you take it over? Can can you just take the reins? Can you take control? And can you guide me? And I don't even know what that looks like, but, but I'm sensing something right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the church's responsibility, wherever you are, is to grow you up in faith, to get you matured, to be a disciple, someone that reproduces. But it's the first step. So would you just pray with me just real quickly. Bow your heads and join me. If you haven't made this commitment, I I implore you, I beg you, it's the most important decision you'll ever make. But it's not an easy decision because you may be rejected. Jesus will never reject you. Father God, I pray for those that are listening online or in the room today that today could be their starting line, the first of a daily walk with you, of hope, of purpose, of meaning, of forgiveness. Lord, you died on the cross that we may live. You paid the penalty of our sins, our wrongdoings, every screw-up that we ever did. And you took it to the cross, and you were innocent, and you did not deserve it. It's it's a mystery, and it's even confusing at at, at times. But Lord, we're making a mess of our life, and we need you, and we need you in a greater power those that are starting today, but those that have been walking with Jesus to reorient, to renew, to recommit. Lord, I want to live for you. I want to live for you from this day forward with this radical love that you have for us. And Lord, I know that I don't go alone, that I've got friends and family. I've got a church. I've got a church family that can guide me, coach me, encourage me, love on me, forgive me. Lord, that's a beautiful thing. And Lord, the world will only know us by our love. So help us to step up in that. Please help us, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, the most, hard, most difficult thing for you to do is getting started in evangelism. It's sharing your faith, your story. But I want to give you some pointers because people are, are desperate. My question is, why wait? Don't wait till tomorrow. There may may not be a tomorrow for that person. So I want to give you a couple of, and I'll I'll give the message to Pastor Kevin. He can give you these. He can post these. But we've got to get better at asking questions instead of spewing. Amen? Here's the first question you could ask. A friend. Someone that you have a relationship. Someone that you know. Someone that respects you and probably even likes you. Hey, uh, would it be okay if we talk, when we talk today, that we could talk about spiritual things? That is a non-threatening question. And if they say no, you go, okay. Number two question. We each have our own spiritual story. Would you mind sharing your story with me? Stop. Listen. If you're a talker, put your hand over your mouth. Three. Many people have been turned off by the church. Why why do you think that is? Do you have any idea? Listen to them. Number four. Have you ever met a genuine Christian that you admired or respected? Tell me what it was. Would you just listen to those people? And maybe they'll help you adjust your approach. By the way, the Holy Spirit can work through a non-believer, by the way. I've been schooled many times by a non-believer. Okay? So caution. There's some caution here. Christians, we've got to get better at this. Watch what you post. There's an acronym, THINK. Think it's on the screen. You ever see this before? You need to memorize it. Google it. Put it on your computer. When you're talking about someone or you're going to post something, you gotta ask: uh, Is it true? By the way, there's so many false narratives out there. I don't repost anything because I think it's probably a lie. Second, is it helpful? Am I helping the situation? If I've got these followers and I post something, are they going to question my relationship with God or my integrity? So, is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Like, oh, I'm so glad you posted that. That was so inspiring. No one ever said. Is it necessary? Is it necessary? Do I even need to weigh in on this? And is it kind? The church that we planted in Panama, I will tell you this we told everyone, these are internationals, we said, just be kind. People from around the world are hurting. They're coming in. They're looking for, just be kind. I talked to our our contact in Panama this past week, and uh, she said, Glenn, i got to tell you, that's still in our DNA. People from around the world will come to this church and say, what's different about this church? We're kind. (sighs) That's awesome. Kerry Newhoff, if you don't know who he is, he's a Canadian pastor. I I love his leadership and his podcast. He says this, if what you're about to say or do, doesn't help your neighbor, don't say it and don't do it. It's good, isn't it? Jesus says this, as my father has sent me, I also send you. If, if you need prayer today, would the prayer team come up up front? Like, don't leave here and go, oh, I don't wanna go up front and pray because it's embarrassing. You know what, we're family here. You're all embarrassing. <laughs> this family is. Just get over it, okay? I wanna, I wanna lead us in prayer. Come on up, we can stand. Cross cross point, faith inspires us to do this. It is beyond talk. It's radical love. It's motion and actions. Let's repent. Just bow your head. Just repent that you haven't loved your neighbors as you know you should, whoever they are. Maybe they're across the hall. Maybe they're across town. Maybe they're across the sea. Because we know our neighbors don't always look like us, act like us, behave like us. This is my commission to you. I want you to listen to this. 1 Peter 4, 8 to 11. Just listen to what Peter says to us. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift... Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength of God's supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen.